Supreme Court Update The Crown Against Awashish 2018 SCC 45 The judgment of the court was delivered by Justice Rowe Part 1 Introduction Paragraph 1 This case was heard shortly after the Crown Against Gubbins 2018 SCC 44 and arises from a similar context. However, it raises a distinct procedural issue, one that warrants separate reasons. The respondent, Ms. Justine Awashish, was charged with impaired driving and driving over 80. She sought to obtain additional disclosure from the Crown. The provincial court judge ordered the requested additional disclosure. The Crown successfully petitioned the Superior Court for certiorari to quash the order on the basis that the relevance of the evidence sought had not been established. Ms. Awashish then sought information relating to the same documents in order to prepare a second disclosure application. The provincial court judge granted this application in part. The Crown again applied for sorcerorai, which was again granted. Ms. Awashish appealed. The Court of Appeal reinstated the provincial court judge's second order on the grounds that sorcerorai should not have been granted in these circumstances as to do so would circumvent the general prohibition against interlocutory appeals in criminal matters. 2. Certiorari is an extraordinary remedy that is available only in narrow circumstances. Allowing parties to use it to challenge interlocutory rulings, including evidentiary matters, risks gravely slowing the criminal justice system. For similar reasons to those set out by the Court of Appeal, I would dismiss the Crown's appeal. Part 2. Facts Paragraph 3. Ms. Awashish was charged with operating a vehicle while impaired by alcohol or drugs and with driving over 80, contrary to Section 253, Sub 1, Sub A, and Sub B of the Criminal Code. The Crown made disclosure of documents that it believed it was required to disclose under the Crown against Stinchcombe, 1991 Supreme Court decision. Ms. Awashish then applied for disclosure of more records relating to Interalia, the breathalyzer device, the technician, the simulators used to calibrate the device, and the standard solution used for calibration. The Crown contested the application. 4. Justice of the Court of Quebec, Paradis, ordered the Crown to disclose the requested information. See Awashish, 2014, QCCQ 3984. This information included maintenance manuals, maintenance and repair logs, and evidence that the technician's training was up to date. The Crown sought certiorari to have Judge Paradis' order quashed before the Superior Court. Justice Lavoie found that Judge Paradis erred in granting the order in the absence of evidence establishing that the information sought existed and was relevant. Accordingly, Justice Lavoie granted the Crown's application for certiorari, which had the effect of returning the matter for trial before Judge Paradis. See The Crown Against Paradis, 2014, QCCS 4260. Part 3, Judicial History, Subpart A, Court of Quebec, 2015, QCCQ 4516, Paragraph 5. In response to the decision by Justice Lavoie, Ms. Awashish, together with two other accused,
brought a McNeil application seeking information regarding the existence and relevance of the records in question, as well as who had possession of them. See The Crown Against McNeil, 2009, SCC-3. This was done to lay the foundation for a further disclosure application. The Crown informed Ms. Awashish that it would neither confirm nor deny the existence of the records sought. As in the Crown's view, the records were not relevant. Judge Paradis was again seized of the issue. She held that it was not sufficient for the Crown simply to reply as it did. Rather, the Crown has a duty to inform itself of the existence and the relevance of the information sought by the defense. Judge Paradis ordered the Crown to inform Ms. Awashish in writing whether the documents existed, who had possession of them, and whether they were subject to privilege. Subpart B. Quebec Superior Court, 2016, QCCS 115, Paragraph 6. The Crown sought certiorari to quash Judge Paradis' McNeil order. Justice Dion granted certiorari on the basis that the fruits of the investigation had already been disclosed by the Crown. As to the records sought, they were in possession of third parties and their likely relevance had not been established. In Justice Dion's view, Judge Paradis' order constituted an error of law on the face of the record. The superior courts ought to be able to review such matters. 7. Justice Dion took the view that the order by Judge Paradis went against Justice Lavoie's statement that translation, quote, the trial can and must commence without the disclosure of further evidence being necessary, end quote. By ignoring a ruling of a superior court relating to essentially the same issue, Judge Paradis failed to give effect to the doctrine of res judicata and she acted in excess of jurisdiction. As the order by Judge Paradis could not be appealed, certiorari was the only avenue available to the Crown. On this basis, Justice Dion granted the Crown's application for certiorari, which had the effect of quashing Judge Paradis' order. Subpart C, Quebec Court of Appeal, 2016, QCCA 1164. Paragraph 8. Justice Thibault, writing for the court, allowed the appeal and set aside Justice Dion's order. She stated that certiorari is available to an accused where a judge acts without jurisdiction and, in certain circumstances, when a judge makes an error of law on the face of the record. This latter category of cases is narrow and does not include where an accused argues that a judge has erred regarding disclosure. There is no reason to treat the Crown differently. In addition to jurisdictional errors, certiorari is available to parties where there would be irreparable harm to fundamental rights of one of the parties. In such circumstances, an appeal would not provide adequate relief. The situation of third parties is different in that they have no right of appeal. For this reason, certiorari should be available to them for both errors of jurisdiction and errors of law on the face of the record. Certiorari should not have been granted here, as a decision was made in the exercise of Judge Paradis' jurisdiction. 9. Justice Thibault also held that Justice Dion erred on the question of res judicata. She found that Justice Dion did not assess the objective underlying the McNeil application. Had he done so, 
he would have determined that the initial disclosure order does not preclude Ms. Awashish from verifying the existence of certain information. Thus, in Justice Thibault's view, Justice Dion erred in finding that Judge Paradis ignored res judicata in granting the McNeil application. Judge Paradis' McNeil order was reinstated. After receiving further information from the Crown under that order, it would be open to Mij Awashish to seek to establish the relevance of records originally sought so as to obtain their disclosure. Part 4. Analysis. Subpart A. When is certiorari available? Paragraph 10. Criminal appeals are statutory. With limited exceptions, there are no interlocutory appeals. See Section 674 of the Criminal Code. Mills and the Queen, 1986 Supreme Court Decision. The Crown against Meltzer, 1989 Supreme Court. Dagenay and Canadian Broadcasting Corp, 1994 Supreme Court. There are a few statutory exceptions, and the extraordinary remedies, notably certiorari, provide relief in narrow circumstances. The general rule is that, quote, criminal proceedings should not be fragmented by interlocutory proceedings which take on a life of their own, end quote. From The Crown Against D'Souza, 1992 Supreme Court Decision. Fragmenting criminal proceedings by permitting interlocutory appeals risks having issues decided without the benefit of a full evidentiary record, a significant source of delay, and an ineffective use of judicial resources. See The Crown Against Johnson, 1991 Ontario Court of Appeal Decision. 11. The availability of extraordinary remedies is constrained by similar concerns. See Attorney General of Quebec and Cohen, 1979 Supreme Court Decision. The use of certiorari is therefore tightly limited by the criminal code and the common law so as to ensure that it is not used to do an end run against the rule against interlocutory appeals. See 1988 Alberta Court of Appeal. For example, in preliminary inquiries, jurisdictional error must be shown for certiorari to be granted. This includes where a preliminary inquiry judge commits an accused to stand trial in the absence of any evidence on an essential element of the offense. See Skogman and the Queen, 1984 Supreme Court of Canada. Or acts contrary to the rules of natural justice. See Patterson and the Queen, 1970 Supreme Court of Canada or see Forsyth and the Queen, 1980, Supreme Court of Canada. See also Dubois and the Queen, 1986, Supreme Court of Canada. See also The Crown Against Deschamplain, 2004, SCC 76. 12. Certiorari is available to third parties in a wider range of circumstances than for parties, given that third parties have no right of appeal. In addition to having certiorari available to review jurisdictional errors, a third party can seek certiorari to challenge an error of law on the face of the record, such as a publication ban that unjustifiably limits rights protected by the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, see Dagenet, or a ruling dismissing a lawyer's application to withdraw, see the Crown Against Cunningham, 2010, SCC 10. The order has to have a final and conclusive character vis-à-vis the third party, see the Crown Against Primo, 1995 Supreme Court of Canada. 13. In this case, one of the issues is whether certiorari is available where a party alleges an error of law on the face of the record, in particular in an evidentiary ruling.
differing views have been expressed. In his treatise on the use of prerogative writs in criminal proceedings, Professor Gilles Letourneau, later a judge of the Federal Court of Appeal, opined that, quote, Judgments or orders made by a court in the course of criminal proceedings cannot be quashed on the basis of error of law on the face of the record, end quote, and that Parliament's failure to provide for interlocutory appeals indicates the, quote, intent that there should be no review, except perhaps in extreme cases, such as for jurisdictional errors, end quote. And that's from The Prerogative Writs in Canadian Criminal Law and Procedure, 1976. 14. The Alberta Court of Appeal has held that certiorari is available to parties for both errors of jurisdiction and errors of law on the face of the record, quote, if the order is such that it immediately and finally disposes of a legal right, end quote. See The Crown Against Black, 2011, ABCA, 349. In the Alberta Court of Appeal's view, such an error of law on the face of the record is a proper basis for superior courts to quash a decision. The Quebec Court of Appeal seemed to support this view when it stated that, translation, quote, an accused can have an interlocutory decision reviewed if the judge acted without jurisdiction or made an error of law on the face of the record, end quote. However, the court later held that, quote, a trial judge's interlocutory decision to order or not to order the Crown to disclose information generally does not raise a question of want or excess of jurisdiction, but is a decision made in the exercise of the judge's jurisdiction. In such a case, certiorari does not lie. In keeping with the paramount objective of limiting the intervention of superior courts in a trial and the delays that could result from such interventions, care must be taken not to see every order for disclosure of information as an irreparable violation of a fundamental right. Justice Dion applied the wrong test. He should have asked whether the disclosure order irreparably violated a fundamental right of Ms. Awashish, not whether the interlocutory order had a final and conclusive character vis-a-vis that right. End quote. 15. In its submissions to this court, the Attorney General of Ontario proposes a third view, that certiorari should be available to review an error of law on the face of the record where, first, the error engages an issue of overarching importance to the administration of justice, and second, the error is one that does not normally crystallize on appeal. These would be, quote, test cases, end quote, for difficult issues that recur but do not tend to be addressed on appeal. 16. Statements made by this court in Dagenay at pages 864 to 865 and Cunningham at paragraph 57 have been taken by some lower courts to mean that errors of law on the face of the record are a basis to grant certiorari to both parties and third parties. This was the interpretation given by the Alberta Court of Appeal in Black at paragraph 27. Having regard to the appellate jurisprudence and the policy considerations underlying that jurisprudence, I respectfully differ from the view set out by the Alberta Court of Appeal. The approach in Black runs contrary to the general rule against interlocutory appeals and to the legislative objective behind Section 674 of the Criminal Code, which abolishes appeals, save as provided for in the Code. 17. Permitting parties access to certiorari review for an error of law, even one that, quote, immediately and finally disposes of a legal right, end quote, risks fragmenting criminal trials, thereby introducing inefficiency, delay, and the determination of issues on an incomplete record. Such a rule would be in direct tension with the approach set out in the Crown Against Jordan, 
2016, SEC 27, to achieve prompt justice in criminal cases. For these reasons, I would not accept the wider view taken by the Quebec Court of Appeal at paragraph 29, where it suggested that certiorari would be available to parties to correct errors of law on the face of the record. See above at paragraph 14. 18. Finally, the approach suggested by the Attorney General of Ontario, while it would open the door less fully, nonetheless would also run afoul of the prohibition against interlocutory appeals in criminal proceedings. While more circumscribed than a broad right to certiorari as described in black, it would likely result in excessive litigation as the superior courts grapple with the boundaries of this approach. For counsel, the issues that engage their clients' interests are often seen as issues of overarching importance to the administration of justice. Thus, I would decline to adopt either of these three approaches. 19. Allowing the use of certiorari to provide for de facto interlocutory appeals in criminal cases would give rise to an unprincipled distinction between trials that proceed before provincial courts and those before superior courts, as certiorari is not available against the superior court. See Dagonet. Interlocutory decisions by provincial courts would be reviewable, while those by superior courts would not be. 20. Thus, to summarize, certiorari in criminal proceedings is available to parties only for a jurisdictional error by a provincial court judge. See above at paragraph 11. For third parties, certiorari is available to review jurisdictional errors as well as errors on the face of the record relating to a decision of a final and conclusive character vis-a-vis the third party. See above at paragraph 12. 21. In obiter, Justice Thibault stated that certiorari could be available where fundamental rights of the accused are irremediably affected by a ruling and where an appeal would offer no effective remedy. The example she gave was ordering an accused to remove her niqab when testifying. I leave for another day whether certiorari would be available in such circumstances. Subpart B. Is certiorari available in this case? Paragraph 22. The Crown argues that in dealing with the McNeil application, Judge Paradis also made two jurisdictional errors. First, Judge Paradis erred by disregarding the decision of Justice Lavoie, granting the Crown's first certiorari application. Second, the substance of Judge Paradis' order exceeded her jurisdiction as a court cannot order the Crown to look into the existence of records until the accused demonstrates that they exist, they are relevant, and that it is possible for the Crown to obtain them. 23. However, neither of these is a jurisdictional error. In the criminal context, jurisdictional errors occur where the court fails to observe a mandatory provision of a statute or where a court acts in breach of the principles of natural justice. See Skogman. Failure to give effect to res judicata is not a jurisdictional error. It is a legal error. That said, I would question whether such an error occurred. Nothing in Justice Lavoie's order precluded Judge Paradis from ordering the Crown to inquire into the existence of the records. Indeed, Justice Lavoie did not find the records were irrelevant. She simply found that Ms. Awashish had not demonstrated their relevance. Further, an error as to whether the accused met his or her burden of proof on a disclosure application is not a jurisdictional error, but merely a legal error. 24. In the absence of a jurisdictional error, the Crown's appeal must fail, as certiorari is unavailable. This leaves Judge Paradis' order standing. 
However, this court's reason should not be taken as endorsing Judge Paradis' order insofar as it was based on a legal error, which I discussed below. While not necessary for the disposition of this case, I will clarify the nature of such orders as guidance for the future. 25. Ms. Awashish sought to compel the Crown to inquire into the existence of certain documents relating to breathalyzer maintenance, amongst others. I agree with the Crown that Judge Paradis erred in ordering it to look into whether the records exist. She applied the wrong framework to address the issue. Judge Paradis relied on McNeil as a basis of her order. But McNeil does not require the Crown to look into the existence of records at the behest of the defense. Rather, it imposes an obligation on the Crown to make reasonable inquiries of other state agencies that only crystallizes once the Crown is made aware that the records in question exist. See McNeil at paragraph 49. 26. The Crown in this case denies the records' existence. When the Crown denies the existence of the records in question, the governing framework is that set out in The Crown Against Chaplin, 1995 Supreme Court Decision. Justice Sapinka articulated the following procedure at paragraph 30. Quote, Once the Crown alleges that it has fulfilled its obligation to produce, it cannot be required to justify the non-disclosure of material, the existence of which it is unaware or denies. Before anything further is required of the Crown, therefore, the defense must establish a basis which could enable the presiding judge to conclude that there is in existence further material which is potentially relevant. 27. Ms. Awashish did not establish the basis for the record's existence or relevance. The Crown was therefore under no obligation to inquire into the matter. Judge Paradis erred in holding otherwise. However, given that she made no jurisdictional error, certiorari cannot be used to correct that error. Part 5. Conclusion Paragraph 28. The Crown's appeal is dismissed. Judge Paradis' order therefore stands. In the event that a disclosure application follows, the relevance of the documents should be considered in light of this court's decision in Gubbins. Appeal dismissed.